Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? Read all about his career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read passages by Dusty Wolf, David Manning, and Kevin Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised by what you read. Get your book today on Amazon. Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The The Pro Pro Wrestling Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Kerry Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. Want to make a bet, wrestling fans? Go subscribe to the Wrestleville podcast and go subscribe to Ninja Mac, and you can bet that. You're listening to the Russellville podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is Ninja Mac, wrestling since 2015. How are you doing today, sir? Yo, you want to make a bet today with Ninja Mac? How's everything going for the podcast? Everything going good today? Everything's going good, man. Hey, I am so glad to have you on the show. I know this is going to be a fun conversation. If if my listeners do not know you at this moment, they will know you by the time that this interview is over because you are somebody that people want to start putting their eyes on right away. Hey, bet that. You can always bet that and double down. I've been watching your work. It's fun to watch. Your style is is uh, just incredible. The acrobats that you can do, the high flying that you can do, uh, the high risk moves that you do. Uh, I mean, you are when your name's on the card, it's got to be uh, uh, an exciting treat for the people who have seen you in the past. You know, the, the fans that uh, I've been able to entertain and come across that these shows at the GCW, the Texas shows, coming to Noah, um, the feedback I get for them is it, it drives me to do even more and go crazier in that ring. So, you know, I, I feed off uh, the, the fans that can that, that push push me at those shows because, you know, I, I don't like to just do shows and uh, not connect with the fans because it, it is all about the connection. It is all about the fans. And these fans at shows, um, they, they drive me to do the crazy acrobatics. And then obviously the wrestling talent around the world is, is so, so great right now. Everyone's so athletic that if, if, you're not, if you're not changing, stepping up, doing bigger stuff, getting bigger spotlight, you're going to get left behind. And I'm not trying to get left behind. So um, I'm leading the charge. You're seeing crazy acrobatic stuff. Uh, maybe not to toot my own horn. I don't know how much anime you watch, but, you know, boss levels get bigger and bigger. And uh, I feel like this is only just the beginning. And y'all have just seen the beginning of Ninja Mac and the athleticism. I believe that. I, I, I really do. You will definitely have a, a long career. You know, if, you know, if you, if you can stay healthy, I mean, because right. Everybody knows that wrestling is a very, very physical business. And, you know, I just, uh, I'm just blown away by some of the stuff that you're, 
you're able to do, you're willing to do, and, um, you know, you will have a very, very, very long career because people are going to want to come back and see you time and time again, man. And and let's start getting into some of the places, I, you know, if you go to your, your database and you look, um, you've been to places like TCW, you, you've, you're wrestling in Noah right now. I mean, and you, and you started, you started out in Texas, right? So uh, let's just talk a little bit about the journey, man, because where you're at right now uh, for where you are in your career, I, I, I think you're, you're just uh, head and shoulders above some of your peers. Well, you know, uh, w- with wrestling, everyone, you, you try and grow. And the longer you're there, like I said, you, you, you get out of that, that, that lost stage at the beginning where you're just happy to be there. You're trying to be around and help out. You're trying to figure out what's going on. So when I started, I did start back in 2015. I was a latecomer to pro wrestling. Um, I did not start pro wrestling right out of high school or college. I actually left Right after high school, my first year of college, I went to Circus LA. So I actually tried out for the circus. I've toured with some circuses, many different circuses. Uh, just the big one, everyone is notable as the Circus LA one being the big one, but they have many indie circuses. And uh, the last tour of my indie circus, I actually had a indie wrestler on that show with me. And I grew up wrestling. I was a, in a wrestling, amateur wrestling family. So I'm the oldest of seven children. And every single one of my brothers and sisters all went to college for wrestling. Uh, not pro wrestling, amateur wrestling. And that's what my father did. That's what we grew up doing. So I was very good at wrestling. You know, be able to get to the circus and the acrobat. Uh, that that helped a lot. And then the guy, the guy could see me wrestle. He could see that I did flips and he, he kind of pitched that pro wrestling would be something I would be interested in. And I love pro wrestling because I watched WWF growing up. I watched WCW as a kid. I even watched Japan wrestling and AAA just being in Texas. We have Telemundo down on your local channel TVs. So I got to see AAA and see all the crazy acrobatic stuff from the Luchas. So when I started wrestling in 2015, I got off a circus tour. And I shot right over to Booker T's Reality of Wrestling in Houston because I'm out of Houston, Texas. And I never went back to the circus. It was I left the circus tour on a Thursday. I got to Booker T's Reality of Wrestling on a Sunday for one of his fantasy camps. And my pro wrestling career has been gone since. I just I love it. I've fallen even more in love with it the more I do. So just starting at Booker T's Reality of Wrestling 2015, you know, uh, man, there was so many. I didn't even know indie indie shows at that point. I really only knew WWE, WCW, the big promotions. So getting over to Booker T's Reality of Wrestling was just seeing Booker T's one of the best of all time. And one of, uh, I said, just, uh, man, the guy, the guy's phenomenal. You know, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time champion of the world. So. And, and speaking of Booker T, you know, uh, Quite a facility that he runs there. A lot of talented wrestlers are coming out of there. You know, uh, Brian Keith and Roxy and, you know, Roxanne Perez for for those who are watching NXT. Danny B, right? This is one of the best schools you can get to. If if you can get to Houston and find a way to get to that school, I recommend it. If you're just even anywhere across the world and you want to, 
they're, they're going to put the time into you. Uh, and it, it's not just an indie show. They, they have a facility set up right in the, right in the, I don't want to get the city, right? Texas city, little mall. Like he's got his own building there. They run shows on a weekly basis for their students. They have their big shows monthly. It is one of the best uh, training facilities you can go to. And it really is a, it's a, it, it's, it's Booker T's dream, but also it's, it's that it's right there with NXT. It's so good. Absolutely. And what, what do you think the main thing that, that Booker T tries to instill in, in all of his students, what, because he's definitely successful. A lot of his, a lot of his students are very, very successful. So, I mean, what is that? It can't be just one thing. I'm sure there's there's some kind of a, a principle or some kind of philosophy he works under. But what what are you getting from him that you know, that is helping you succeed? I, I would say just uh, the, if I was to point out one thing uh, to go to Booker T school, just like any wrestling school, you, you're going to go through the bumps. You're going to you're going to get tested athletically. You're going to get push mentally but the one thing coming out of booker t school that really set me up was the the professionalism it, when you go there and you walk in he, he's going to teach you the little things you walk in you go shake everyone's hand when you walk into a building at a show you're going to come and dress up and you're going to represent not just yourself but where you're coming from where the businesses are, are looking at you and you're going to eventually if you get hired by a big company you're going to be representing them and the, the professionalism he's able to teach you that you might not be able to get at other other in indie I hate to say indie schools, but other schools that haven't been to Booker T's level, who's been on those mega deals, who's been on TV promotions, who represents such a big company and such a big environment in Houston. The guy is one of the he's so professional. That's the best way to describe if I had to describe it in one way. I definitely can see some professional attributes with what you said in, in yourself, you know, uh, I want to commend you for, for being very courteous and, you know, returning the text and, and returning, you know, staying in contact with me, because I'll tell you, you know, doing this, doing what I do, reaching out to a lot of wrestlers and, and scheduling, not everyone is, is, you know, good about returning or you know there's a lot of ghosting going on right so i mean it's like hey it's okay to say no and you know you you've been sticking with me for several days about a week or so I, and and it's the little things right it's that little little stuff that really goes a long way in in any business of course and uh just just in the wrestling world uh I mean, like you said, the, the little things going forward, the, the shaking the hands, being able to respond, you know, doing the doing the shows that help wrestling grow as a whole. Being, if, if you're ghosting people, you're not helping wrestling grow. And he, and he preaches like no one, no one should be better than wrestling. We should all be putting wrestling forward to grow the business. We all love wrestling. We want it to grow. We want it to get better. We want all the wrestlers to make money. And if, if you're willing to put in the, the extra time, the extra, the commitment, even, even if you can't do the, the podcast and you say, look, I'm unavailable. I can get back to you. Or, you know, what? it's just something I can't work out with my contract. At least you're not ghosting people and leaving them in the blank. Right. Absolutely. You know, you you've been all over right i mean all over the world now you're wrestling you've traveled the united states pretty well let's let's talk about gcw how that first came about 
And uh, when was the first time uh, that you started wrestling for them? What, you know, let's talk about that experience because they're definitely on fire. Oh yeah. GCW to me is the, I mean, if I had to say they're the biggest independent promotion, if you want to call them an independent promotion, because I don't know if you can call them an independent promotion. They're so big right now. Yeah. Uh, just a, just a step back, probably six months before my GCW after COVID, you know, uh, I took a little break from wrestling 2000, early 2018. Um, I, I became a father. So I, I, I had a man up, I had a, you know, I loved wrestling, but at the same time, father responsibilities. And I, I had to provide for a family. I had to commit more to a job and more time to raising a child. So when I stepped away, um, wrestling continued. And then COVID, COVID-19 kicked off and shut down the world. So when the world shut down, I went back to training when I had the days off from work. And when I went back to training, I want to say this is probably early, early 2020, before everything was opening up to where, you know, you can go train, but all the businesses are still closed. I started to work with some friends, Pedro, uh, Lowriders is a wrestling name down in Houston, phenomenal talent in Houston. Um, Jaime Martinez, to me, the Paul Bosch, Paul Bosch Booker of Houston going forwards in the 2020s. We ended up starting a wrestling promotion called Local Wrestling. Yes. And Local wrestling, um, the the we had it vibing. It grew, and those six months leading into that GCW start, local wrestling kind of put me back on the map. Meeting meeting some wrestlers, getting back into the flow of wrestling, and that's when the Ninja Mac character and my coming back to wrestling was born. And actually, um, without Loco, I don't I don't run into a Dante Leon. Some of the high flying luchas. I don't. I had a match later on Loco with Loki, who's a huge influence with me right now. This last year, uh, the guy's been such a guidance and uh, such a help to me, and uh, almost a sensei in the training discipline. So with local wrestling, those couple matches I did for their shows put me on the map and wrestling with the unicorns. Big promote. Uh, big. Uh, big online promoters they they do clips for wrestling they're all over the world right now they came down to local wrestling and when they did clips of me and dante they went viral and we helped them grow they helped us grow and those clips that local wrestling and wrestling with unicorns got jimmy lloyd's attention jimmy lloyd saw the clips sent it over to uh joey joey janella saw the clips called brett he's like hey we got to see if we can get them in so leading Leading right out of that, I, I don't want to get the dates wrong, but Tampa, Tampa for the first collective for GCW, that was my first introduction to G GCW. They asked me if I could get out there, um, and I, I took a bet on myself. I bought my own plane ticket. Now, luckily, flights were very cheap at the time, so I could afford it. I bought my own flight. I didn't even, I didn't even go out there to get paid for my first match with GCW. I was only booked in the first match of the first show at the collective in Tampa on Jimmy Lloyd's degeneration of show and a scramble. After that match, I had uh, seven matches that weekend. There's so many shows that see, Hey, who's this guy? Throw him in here. Throw him in here. I ended up doing seven or eight matches total that went for a whole year. Yeah. So you go down there to, to wrestle one match and you're, you're wrestling all weekend, right? Yeah, I, I ended up I ended up doing 
I want to say five GCW shows that weekend. I got on a new Texas show. I believe I got another VXS show a little later that weekend, all because I was, they, they gave me the opportunity to go out there and do that first scramble match. And I just, I happened to pop and go viral with GCW at the collective. You know, GCW is, is such an interesting promotion, right? I mean, there is, when, when you talk about the variety of styles and the wrestlers that gravitate to that company, no wonder people like it so much, right? I mean, yeah, it's grown uh, even even at the collective. You know, they were they were very known for their death death match style going previously, and then I don't I don't know if maybe maybe it was Tampa the collective when um they started bringing in you know they they were starting to get eyes after the COVID and. I know I come in and high flying elevates a little people, people step up in high flying, but even, even the credit to the Lucha guys that came in and did their job at the GTW shows, the Lucha guys, Gringo Loco, even Jack Cargo right now with AAA, you had Torres, Dragon Bane, Alpha Wolf who had been with me at Noah. Um, those Lucha guys really opened the door to some crazy stuff. You had the craziest deathmatch stuff going on at GCW and with how how much vibing GCW was doing, you had bigger talent from other companies kind of wanted to hop in and get a little buzz and everything's kind of just molded together over these last two years. And now two years later, you, you're going to see some of the best Lucha shows on GCW matches. You're going to see some of the best high flying on GCW shows. You're going to see the best death matches on GCW. You're even going to see some top talent from TV on GCW international stars want to come over and work gcw even in japan i get asked all the time hey you know if we get over there can we can we get uh aid into gcw uh when i was over at germany for wxw and even over at uk for rev pro everyone knows gcw so gcw isn't just america it's worldwide it's caught the attention of everyone yeah and i think they're they're uh the way that they're utilizing pay-per-view putting their product out there, it, it just makes it so accessible, right? They're not pigeonholing themselves like we're on this certain channel. I mean, anybody can access them if they if they have a computer. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're credit to Brett Lauderdale. That man has put in the work, uh, and he's got a great team with them that helps him out. I, I hate to name all of them just because it'd be a, a decent list, but a lot of credit to Brett, what he's able to do, even even the the way he's able to deal with, you know, not not everything's so sweet when you're trying to book shows at convention centers or, or Ukrainian culture center and you got to do the business side. Then you got to handle talent coming in. You got to do flights. You got to make sure everyone has hotels. You got to make sure everyone has the car ride. And just for Brett Lauderdale to be able to pull that off, the man is grinding constantly. The guy's got two phones 24-7 going off. And he's pulling it, he's, he's making it work. He's pulling it all together and it's only growing more and more. And that's just credit to Brett and what they do for GCW. Joey, Jimmy, they're such a good team there. You know, when you think back the last couple of years that you've been wrestling, the times that you've wrestled for GCW, is there is there any particular match or are there a few opponents that when you think back, when someone says, hey, your time in GCW and what you did for GCW or any names popping in your head of of uh, some of the matches that might stand out for you in your career. 
you know, uh, uh, I, I had a great match with Yoya at Bloodsport um, this last year at the Collective. That's one of my favorite matches I've ever had. Um, it, it was able to not just do the ninja style, but really to get into what I did with wrestling and my, my, a little bit of fighting. And that, that style, like I said, I think that match is beautiful. The L.A. shows, every time I've done an L.A. show for GCW, I don't know why, but me and LA click so well. I've had such great matches at the Ukrainian Culture Center. Uh, I would say one of my favorite and most captivating matches that I felt I've had was against Ares the Strange. Uh, make sure I don't say that name wrong, but the guy is such a phenomenal lucha talent. And the, the match we pulled off um, and able to do there was great. M Mike Speedball Bailey, that match in LA was phenomenal. I had uh, my, my match running back with Dante Leon in L.A. was such a great match. I've had great matches with Cole Roderick, Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, Jimmy Lloyd, Joey Janela. I had a tag match with the Briscoes. And um, that's – I mean, I, I can keep going on. There's such uh, such great talent there that you, even – even if you just put me with someone I haven't wrestled with, it's going to be a great match because all the talent going through there is so good. How did you get in contact with Noah and how, you know, what kind of an experience that is? Because it's definitely different culturally, right? And, you oh, know, very. people tell me all the time that the wrestling's a little different over there. So let's just talk about, you know, maybe some of the adjustments that you had to do. Uh, but first off, start off with how did you get connected with Noah and how did that all work out? So um, right before I got that call for GCW. I had a match with Dragon Bane. I believe it was March before the uh, March before that collective. Um, Dragon Bane was previously with Noah at that time. I think he just got done with his first tour. And the wrestling with the Unicorns clips went viral again when me and Dragon Bane had our match for local wrestling. And when they went viral, maybe it was 30 minutes after the match. I'm sitting in the locker room. We just get done. I get a text message online from Nosawa. So I was the booker for pro wrestling Noah and he, he saw the clips and it was within 30 minutes after that match. I got the call from Noah. I got that call from Noah and triple a before I got that call for GCW. And um, with the way COVID was in Japan, it pushed me going to Noah back a whole year. Cause if, when I got that call from Noah, the plan was, okay, you already have a passport. Papers are being sent. We'll agree on stuff. And I was going to go to Noah April, like that next month after that Dragon Bane match. And then the way COVID got worse, it pushed it back a whole year. So I didn't leave for Noah for another year until the next April. But it, it was actually a blessing in disguise because I got to do that whole tour with GCW. And GCW granted me such a such an honor to allow me to do every show and join them every week, every two weeks and have such great matches that it even helped me and build me more to get ready for Noah and built anticipation to get to Noah. So I, uh, my start with Noah was that Dragon Bane match at Loco. And then it just, it just kept growing with GCW. They stayed in touch um, throughout the whole year. It's just the way COVID was. I couldn't get over because the borders were still restricted. And when the borders opened up, I was gone the next week. How would you describe the the wrestling style over there? You know, uh, a lot of people say that it's hard style, like a like a strong style, stiff, yeah, so to speak. You know, so Japan's got the the reputation of being strong style, but you know, to 
to come in and to see the young boys train because the even even the older guys when they come in and train and they do stuff um it's very kayfabe over here so at shows when you're at the shows you're you're not gonna go see your opponent before your match you're not allowed to do that like just kind of the the different policies going on so when when you're, you're going out there in front of the fans everything being kayfabe you're gonna get hit and you're gonna hit people because it looks good, they're strong, and the way they train, they they're so disciplined here in Japan. To when when they're doing their young boy training, you're taking fifty drop kicks at training, which means you're giving fifty drop kicks at training if you're going through that training. And you know if, if you're lazy on that forty eighth one, start over. So it it's it's they they don't mess up on their basics everything's so clean and consistent that it's it's strong because it's, it's always connected it always looks good they're very consistent with what they do and i think that's where you get the strong comparison how different is the maybe the japanese audience uh compared to maybe the american uh american audience I, it, it would be hard to compare at this moment just because the, the venues in Japan, last night we had, uh, I'm sorry, two nights ago, I had the, the Muda show with uh, Shinsuke. They had the great match, but the arenas at Nippon Budokan, they leave up, the, the arenas have the choice if they're allowed to use their voice or not right now still. So right now in Japan, at Kirk and Hall, we've just now opened voices. But at Nippon Budokan, you couldn't get them. All you're allowed to do is clap because of the COVID restrictions. Even still, that was two days ago. So right now it's up to the venues to where, you know, you're at GCW. I'm running through a crowd of a thousand people. They're cheering, they're yelling, it's so loud. So I think it'd be a little fair to un, to compare. But, you know, when the a little trick, uh, if you're getting the, the audience to to gasp and make that noise in the middle of your match when they're not allowed to. That's how you know you're doing something well in your match in Japan. And, you know, two nights ago, 9,500 people at the show. I do it going through my match. Every time I went out there, people, you can hear them. You can hear them. You can hear them wanting to scream. You can hear them. Just, they're restricted a little bit, but I've got Dante Leon this Sunday at Currican Hall and voices are going to be allowed. So when you can hear them, you can hear them go and they're just as loud, just as crazy. So it, it's just a little unfair to compare at this moment. Maybe I can give you a better comparison in six months. Well, you know, I was watching, I was watching some matches and, and from that time period that you were talking about of you in Japan. And, and one thing I noticed from the crowd that you don't see a, a lot over here is it's clapping it is the in and it was you know it was loud clapping and it was simultaneously it was a lot of people doing it and so to me uh that was that was a sign that to me that they were like wow they were really really enjoying this and i've uh talked to um, sean hernandez supermex he told me in japan he says um when when they start laughing you're in trouble right the crowd yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a little more serious but also at the same time you know some wrestlers pull some comedy spots but right. if you're if like i said i'm a little more serious I, I try and be more combative to where i'm going for wins and if i can get them if they're laughing at me in the middle of my match it's probably probably not a good thing at the moment right yeah you're right what were some of the things culturally that you had to get used to living over there because you're from America, right? United States. 
obviously I don't, I don't have my car, so I've learned the train system and, you know, growing up in Texas and Houston, you, you drive everywhere. Just, you, I, I got to drive to go to the grocery store here. I walk, I walk everywhere. I go to the train station, so I'm not driving. So that, that took a little bit of getting used to learning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting better at my hiragana and katakana, but I'm, I'm still in a foreign land with a language I don't understand yet. Now, luckily a lot of the Japanese, they're, they're so smart here that a lot of them could be bilingual and are bilingual or even trilingual or at some point have broken English to where I can still communicate with some even just even Japanese people going around Shibuya or Shinjuku and not you got a lot of foreigners but that's that's something I have to get used to right now is the the first month here it was it was, it was a not lonely month because I don't mind just training but you know, I'm not talking to anyone. Now that I've been here a little bit, I'm, I'm going out a little more. I'm talking to some more people. I picked up some Japanese words and phrases. So there's a little more communication. So that communication part's been the biggest thing to me. Um, I would also say the, the trash cans, the trash cans in Japan. There's no trash cans in Japan. They're, they're, obviously, they have trash cans at their home. But you're not going to go down the streets in Shinjuku or Shibuya, and you're gonna, you're not going to see trash cans on every corner or at every building. But there's no trash on the streets. Everyone keeps their trash, and they make sure it gets gets thrown at their home. So it's very clean here. But uh, it's like that was that was a big culture shock. That was a little different because I'm so used to you know I could go to be walking in Houston and there's a trash can on every corner. You can throw something away. You got to hold your trash here until you almost get home. Yeah, but even over here in the United States, with trash cans on every corner, you still see a lot of trash on the street. No, yeah, you'll see trash. It's it's crazy. Without the trash cans here, there's less trash everywhere. It's wild. Yeah, yeah that's interesting concept, right? Very interesting, but it, it's working because they're but it they're they're very clean. They're very disciplined here. Um, uh, going back to kind of that strong style and they're consistent well they're consistent with their studies a lot of the a lot of the Japanese people they do excursions in other countries so they'll, they'll go over to a Canada America or Mexico for three or six months a lot of Americans will never leave their hometown right right hey man we're uh coming down to the wind down how can fans find you on social media uh, everything's ninja mac twitter instagram facebook tiktok youtube go uh if you can go subscribe to me ninja mac everything and if you can please go subscribe to this podcast that's how we make our living guys we appreciate y'all if y'all can hey and i will tell you if you're you're listening to this podcast you have to start uh following ninja mac you have to watch his matches that are on youtube you are going to be thoroughly entertained and i've been watching wrestling a long time i'm in my 50s and let me tell you something i haven't been this excited about a wrestler in a long time uh, thank you i got the business you're listening to the wrestleville podcast where wrestling lives ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Wardell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. 
along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. 